You're listening to The Philip Jordan Show, talking SEC football and beyond. Joining me on the podcast today, we are previewing the South Carolina Gamecocks, continuing our countdown to college football season, to hopefully college football season. Joining me to preview South Carolina is David Knight from Last Word on College Football. And David, I do appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. Hey, not a problem, man. I'm glad to be here. Yes, uh, it's it's fun doing this. I, I've I've said this. I think to anybody that from last word doing this, we always exchange messages. But actually, seeing a fellow colleague over last word is always cool. So yeah, I'm glad to have have you on here, man. Uh, it's kind of like I told you before we I hit the record button. It's like when I do these things, I have to kind of open up with the topic. I mean, is if we're gonna have a college football season, or where are you at? Yeah. On that? I honestly lean towards it being less likely. I think pro sports is going to be fine. I think NFL will come back. MLB started up. They're good. Yeah, the MLS has their tournament and starts this week. But college is just a different dynamic with so many different bodies having to make the decisions, including state governments and stuff like that. That's going to be tough to pull off, but I hope it happens, obviously. Yeah, I'm kind of – you know, I was Mr. Optimism for most of the time this going on but i think what really dropped me down a little bit i still think they're gonna try to start it but what really hit me where i was like okay i'm down a level now is when they had the big 10 came out and said we're gonna go conference only and then the pac-12 did it and then you see some of the fcs conferences are now saying we're only we're not gonna play this ball so i think when that happened it kind of started triggering me okay this is different we may not have a season or a delayed season or a shorter season. Just it's not going to be the season that we thought we were going to have. Yeah, it'll definitely be different. I think the differences will be drastic. And like I said, with the different governing bodies, just not only the conferences and then the governments and the schools themselves, there's so many different people that are going to be trying to make decisions. It's it'll be hard to get enough people on track for, you know, on the same page to pull it off because college sports is just such a wide there's so many teams, so many programs, so many players, so many people involved in it and with no unions or contracts like pro sports it's harder to get everyone on the same page as opposed to like i was saying the mlb or the nba kind of getting their stuff together yeah they can't agree on anything the conferences and they can't agree on anything on a normal situation you know much less a difficult one like this one now if we do have a season uh, for someone of course covers south carolina you know grew up with them Oh, the Clemson game. How important do you think that is to keep that? Or do you think most people in South Carolina would be okay if maybe for one year you didn't have it? I mean, I know there's the, you know, considering they've put a whooping on us the last couple of years, obviously I could do without that in my life. But <laughs> I mean, it's also the I think third longest uninterrupted series in college football right now. I think, I know one of them's a Big Ten. I believe it's Minnesota and Iowa, maybe. I know there's a Big Ten one in there, and there's one more. And then there's South Carolina Clemson, which I'm pretty sure is at 107 consecutive seasons now that they've played. So, And I think it's one of the most played overall. But I know it's like third longest consecutive streak, so that would be rough to end that streak over something like this. But and there's no telling what's going to happen at this point. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like you just kind of each day you got to, you know, wait and see. You know, also not just sports-related stuff, just whatever thing that's going on right now. But uh, with South Carolina, with the upcoming season, okay, I guess I'm going to start it with this, and we're going to jump to talking about Will Muschamp. 
if this was a normal was going to be a normal season where we weren't in a pandemic and everything, and I feel like it's hot seat talk is kind of different right now because of everything going on. How much of one would he be on going into this season? Yeah. I believe, I don't know, I think it's a little bit layered. I know the administration with Ray Tanner at AD um, has shown, you know, complete support for him and continues to do that. But the fan base is at a different point in their, you know, love affair with Will Muschamp at this point. I mean, I think if it was if it was to be a regular season, he would have at least had to have had a back to a winning record and get to a bowl game for him to keep his job. I don't think he could have gone four and eight again. I don't believe that would have been acceptable at all. I think that would have probably seen him shown the door. Yeah, because two years ago they won the nine games, but then it, it just seems like it, early on when his reign there or his tenure at South Carolina, everybody was praising him because he showed he changed after Florida uh, with the offense. But the offense now seems like it does kind of – it's not been as good when you've had some good players there as well. I know they're bringing in Mike Bobo as offensive coordinator now and Ryan Holinsky as the quarterback, but overall offensively, is that where this team has really kind of had some issues these last two years? Oh yeah, most definitely. I will. This, this past season, the four and eight season, it was offense pretty much completely fell on the offense. I mean, you lose Billy in the first game of the season, so you go from a senior senior four-year starter at quarterback to a true freshman at quarterback. He gets banged up against Alabama and really wasn't the same player for the rest of the year. He showed a lot that – I mean, obviously the Charleston Southern game was Charleston Southern, but he showed he could be out there and he could make plays. In the Alabama game, he played really well against Alabama, and you know, mm-hmm. obviously your hype comes with playing well against Alabama because they're Alabama. And um, but then Missouri, you know, he got banged up at the end of the Bama game, and then Missouri game, I think he hurt his, he, um, wasn't very good. Then the Georgia game, he hurt his knee, and he just didn't seem to be healthy the rest of the year. And you could tell he just didn't have the zip on his passes. We couldn't, we attempted to throw the ball more than fifteen yards downfield the last four or five games of the season. And if it wasn't Brian Edwards, we weren't moving the ball at all near the end of the year. And, I mean, I'm looking at it now. I believe they were 104th in the country, 22 points a game last year. That's just – that's not going to yeah. cut it. You know, you got to be able to score more than three touchdowns in a game. Yeah, and then I think, what, the last three games they scored only like one touchdown. Like I said, with Ryan Helensky, I remember watching that Alabama game. He made some throws in that game. But then you look at it, he was hurt. I mean, and then still the numbers he put up. Despite that, fifty-eight percent passing, eleven touchdowns, five interceptions, almost twenty-four hundred yards. Uh, but when you look at the team, what he has coming back around him, running back, they are uh, very inexperienced. There, seventy-eight percent of their rushing is gone. Their top three leading rushers. I know they have the freshman Marsh Marshawn Lloyd coming in, and I was reading some of the reading in the preseason magazines. They seem to think uh, he's going to be a, a big part of the offense going this year. Is that kind of how you're seeing it with him? Yeah, I believe Lloyd's going to have to step in right away and be um, be real good. He, uh, you know, showed a lot. I think we got two weeks of spring practice in before the coronavirus shut everything down. And he looked good in those two weeks. And his, you know, his workout stuff, his stuff during the All-Star Games from high school, like he really 
showed he's got a lot of potential and a lot of ability, but a true freshman running back in the SEC, sometimes they come in and they're great. Sometimes they realize, wait, this is the SEC. This is a little different than what I'm used to. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, you can't – you don't want to have to rely on that. Yeah. I but know. Um, I think Kevin Harris is another running back freshman last year i think he has a chance to be a solid player he's a more of a bowling ball type just bouncing off people he's tough to bring down lloyd's more the explosive big play guy so i mean they're both really young but hopefully they can the offensive line should be better and so hopefully the talent will outweigh the lack of experience yeah yeah running back i mean i saw a couple of the magazines they tried to compare him to Adam Moore. i'm like don't do that don't do that i mean uh, that's a lot of pressure too, as well. Um, back, back on Bentley. Uh, we were t- you were talking about he left. Um, how would you grade his time at South Carolina? I know he came in with a lot of you know just you know a little bit not as much as Hillenty, but still a lot of promise coming in. He played well early as a freshman, but how do South Carolina feel, fans feel about him after he is gone and now he's going on to Utah? Well. I mean, I like Bentley. I thought he was a good player. He obviously had his issues. It seemed like I described it before where I don't think I'd ever seen a player, especially a quarterback, that they're good and they're bad were so drastically different. Like, if you got good Bentley, you got, you know, the guy that threw for 3,300 yards his junior year and, um, you know, threw for 500 yards against Clemson. And, you know, could dart the ball around the field, was finding Debo Samuel and finding uh, Brian Edwards or finding Hayden Hurst a couple of years earlier. But then when you got the bad Bentley, you got the guy that showed up at Kentucky two years ago and couldn't hit the broad side of a bar. And you're just like, who is this guy? Like, it was his – the gap between his good play and his bad play was large and noticeable when you, you knew pretty early on, man, we got the bad Bentley today. This isn't going to be good. But then when you got the good Bentley, you're like, man, he's hitting everything thing it's just it was crazy that there was such a swing between his abilities depending on the Saturday yeah I, I still remember was it was it Tennessee where he made his debut start against his freshman year yeah yeah that was one I said wow this kid that was, I mean, there's no fear they were you, you look he had no fear I mean to go into that kind of situation and come out with a big victory for South Carolina I mean that was um was that that was Muschamp's first year? Or so, no, that was that his first. No, that was his first year because I think I remember yeah, that was the, that was the first where he came out that he yeah. did not want to make the same mistake he made with Will Greer, where he registered him and didn't play him, and then we saw happen he went with McElwain. To, so then he goes with Bentley. So that that was one of the deals. Like I kind of guess going back on something you remember seeing about Muschamp when he first got to South Carolina, said he has changed. He evolved as a head coach versus what he was at Florida. Yeah, um, that was, I think, after the bye week, we played UMass, and that was Bentley's first start. And then Tennessee was the next week was his first SEC start. And, you know, our office was really bad those first six weeks of Muschamp's first season. And Bentley was a early graduate, or early enrollee, and so they were just going to let him redshirt the first year because they had McElwain as a freshman at quarterback. And then uh, Perry Orth was also there. But then they made the change during the bye week, and we, I think we won four out of six to end the season. And Bentley played pretty good. And then, you know, the second, the sophomore year, he was a nine-win. We were a nine-win team. And then his junior year, our offense was probably the best it was while he was there. But the defense by the end of the year had like 15 players on injured reserve. And we were playing, you know, backups and walk-ons. And just we were Swiss cheese by the end of the year. So 
like we were scoring 40 points a game at the end of that season, but we were losing half our games because we couldn't stop it. Yeah, I remember that, man. In that depth, you start getting his injuries that he hits you. I remember that with South Carolina because offensively, yeah, you're right. They were really they were really doing some things with them um, that year. Now, when you look at the quarterback, Ryan Helinski, who is he going to be throwing to? Because, of course, Brian Edwards is gone, one of the best receivers, if not the best that's, you know, that's, you've seen at South Carolina, especially when you look at just the, the stats. I know Shia Smith is still there, but outside of that, you don't see a lot of uh, experience there. Uh, what are you seeing and what are you thinking of? about this wide receiving group at South Carolina. Yeah, for the receiver group, it'll be headed by Shai Smith, who I think has the ability to be a really good player. I'm not, I'm not sure if he's a really good number one wide receiver or a really good number two wide receiver and needs someone to be that one guy, and then Shai Smith would be the compliment. I think he could definitely be that role. We'll see if he can be the number one this year. Um. Nick Muse at tight end who hurt himself in the Vandy game last year and he'll be back hopefully early in the season. He'll be able to come back and get tribute. He's a um, solid player, good playmaker with the ball after he catches it. At receiver, um, you got, I'm trying to think now, uh, you got Josh Van, who'll be a junior, who's a four-star, highly praised coming in, but he really hadn't done a whole lot since he's been here. Um, you got Xavier Leggett, who was a quarterback in high school and kind of started to play a bit at the end of last year. And he's got some talent, but he's still learning to play receiver, so he's got to take another step. And I'm hopeful that the carry on joiner full-time receiver now and not being in the quarterback room, maybe he'll have a chance to become a playmaker. Because when he's got the ball in his hands, that kid can make some, make some stuff happen. But he was just going back and forth between receiver and then having to be backup quarterback once we were down to just true freshman. Slight interruption, um, but yeah, it'll be tough. They got they need people to step up for sure. Um, a receiver like we're who's going to make plays on that offense is definitely going to be quite a good season for Carolina. Oh, with Bobo, oh, overall, what are you looking for him to do with this offense? Because I, you know, you remember him from Georgia. He it was it was a running game, and yeah, they threw the ball. That's some good quarterbacks at Georgia, but uh, with him being there as offensive coordinator. Or what kind of offense are you thinking or hoping to see him run? I think more than anything for South Carolina, for our offense, it's the consistency is what we need. Consistency in the plan and then consistency in the and look at the number top point eight yards of carry, but third we could get fourth and one. You know, we would we had some decent numbers in areas, but we couldn't punch it in for touchdowns inside the twenty. Like they need to play more consistent level, not just you know have some good plays and shoot themselves in the foot like they tend to do too often. Bobo will be better with creating a plan for what his players can do and, you know, use putting them in the best situation and keeping it more consistent with how they perform and with the plan they, you know, go, are we going to be a running team? Are we going to be a spread team? We kind of flip-flopped back and forth the last two years over what we were going to do, and it led to inconsistency, basically. Yeah, and then – you look at the defense side of the ball, of course, last year, I mean, you could look at the numbers. I got it right here on my notes. I mean, tw- they gave it 26 game, but 10th in scoring, 11th in the SEC overall. But you got to think that's a lot of that's got to do with the fact that, like we've been saying earlier, the offense struggled, and that usually is a big impact on the defense side of the ball. Yeah, put them in some bad situations. I actually think the defense has a chance to be very, very good this year. The defensive backfield – 
has gotten a lot better and a lot deeper. And you got Mukwamu and Horn at corner, which I think is as good a tandem as there is. You know, they they could match up with any tandem of corners in the SEC. Uh, Roderick and Jamie Robinson will be the two safety. And I like Roderick. He's pretty well. Robinson, as a freshman last year, showed things. Along the defensive line, though, the, this team is as deep as we've been since we had Clowney, Ingram, Robertson, Devin Taylor. Like it's our defensive line should be very good. Even even losing Kinlaw, our defensive line should probably get a little better this year, just because the young talent's going to have a little bit more underneath under their belt as far as knowing what to do stronger, being able to punish it in the trenches in the SEC. And I think guys like you know Aaron Sterling. Rick Sandage, Zach Pickens, who was solid last year, could all end up having really big years this year. Yeah, you mentioned the defensive backs, and I know you got a J.C. Horn there, and a guy that you're not going to see a lot of stats, but he didn't get the ball thrown to his direction a lot last year with South Carolina. Yeah, he's a he's definite cover guy. They don't they don't challenge him as much if they don't have to, and that's why I mean, the, he has the one they. They showed this on ESPN, decided to put the highlight out again like two two weeks ago or a week ago on Instagram and Twitter, and it had Carolina fans going crazy. But the kid from North Carolina made a pass at the, on their long drive to win that game, the first game of the year last year, and the ball goes like dead through Horn's hands and hits the North Carolina receiver almost unexpectedly like four yards downfield because it went right through Horn's hands. So he needs to start making play in that regard, catching the ball, taking it away. But – Coverage-wise, and you know he's great, and he's a solid tackler as well. But the big plays is like the, is the next step he needs to take. Yeah, because I was looking. Over, I mean, like you said, you know, all the guys you named, and in the middle you got Ernest Jones, the linebacker, who led the team with 97 tackles last year. I mean, defense, like you said, should be good to Barrett Robinson, of course, defense coordinator there. And with the offense, if you are trying, to, you know, get a season, you're trying to figure out some things. That's a big thing if you can have that defense you can rely on that can kind of keep you. These games close as you kind of get the new offense, you know, legs under them because, like you, you know, we talked about here, inexperienced at receiver and running back, and you got a sophomore quarterback. So there's going to be some things, I guess, to work out with this team. And so that's a big thing if this defense can, you know, live up to that talent that they have. Yeah, I agree. I think, I mean, the defense obviously be key as the offense kind of finds their way to start the year with question marks at all, all the skill positions. But I think just like you mentioned, Curtis Jones, I think he's going to be an all-SEC performer this year. He was he developed a really good linebacker last year when he took over at uh, Mike Linebacker. And then Sherrod Green, who struggled his, the previous season, was not very good at all, ended up being pretty darn good last year. And at the end, of the, he's one of our better players. He was having a pretty good season as well. So I think at all three levels, we've got talent on defense that can make an impact. And like you said, they'll have to because we don't know who that talent is on the offense right now to make the impact so definitely going to be the defense to play at a will must champ defense level i know you know you kind of think this goes for anybody in college football that's trying to learn who about their team because a lot of teams we've known this college football they've always done this i mean yeah you get the big you know non-conference early season games but a lot of teams do play let's face it teams they're pretty sure they know they're going to be where you can work some stuff out you go conference only, you don't have that. So that's going to – I mean, just say, for instance, SEC goes conference only and South Carolina keeps to just the schedule they have. You're opening with Missouri. Yeah, Missouri wasn't good last year. But still, that's different than going – no disrespect to, against Coastal Carolina. You know, that's different. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Can we start with Vandy? Don't tell Kate I said that. 
Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I guess a lot of people probably think they want to start with Vandy this year <laughs> if you could pick an SEC team. I don't know, Arkansas in the, in the West, yeah. the other one, but, you know, it's, it's tough. It's tough if you're going conference only because it's I – mean, the, the, the West will be interesting. I Especially agree. with, you know, Arkansas, but Mississippi and Mississippi State all have no new coaches and none of them getting spring practice. It could be wild with the coaching changes and not having time to implement. So, you know, not having spring practice with new coaches is going to be – interesting in that western division yeah it will be i mean i i put alabama at the top i mean they're obviously but like auburn who knows offensive line though that's the, the question for me with them lsu just they're talented but inexperienced they got to replace a whole bunch of guys and texas a&m they're talented again but uh can they take the next step with jimbo and like the other three the two mississippi schools in arkansas that's it's it's kind of you kind of feel like you, Alabama should finish number one, but two through seven, it's kind of – you don't really know the order they're going to finish in without, after Alabama. That's the interesting thing, I think. Yeah, I agree. Well, other than probably Arkansas down with that, but, yeah, the rest of the ones in the middle, you know, it, it'll be the matchups between each other that will determine whether A&M finishes above Auburn or Auburn finishes above LSU or what the Mississippi schools do with the new coaches. Like, it'll basically be all – battle even whether it's just conference games or not it'll be those matchups that determine who finishes above because y'all are all about in that same boat with question marks and talent kind of just kind of feel your way see what's oh yeah absolutely it's it's uh like i hope we get it but uh see this is the part of the podcast these previews where i would talk about the schedule full length and i would ask the guest yeah can't do that because you know let's face it we don't know if there's going to be what kind they play this season are they going to – what's the schedule like? We don't know. Uh, conference only. Will they do a plus one? Who knows? But uh, when you look at South Carolina and you measure them up against the rest of the SEC East, of course, everybody's got Florida and Georgia at one and two. Honestly, personally, I would put Kentucky over Tennessee. I am not buying the Tennessee hype, and I know we got some Tennessee riders at last word of college football, so if you're listening to this, I apologize. It didn't mean to hurt your feelings. But I'm not buying the Tennessee hype. But anyways, for you, where does South Carolina fit in with the SEC East? Yeah, um, I refuse to ever buy into the Tennessee hype because I just can't stand them. But um, <laughs> I, I do think it's pretty good this year. Um, I don't know. They get they got Terry Wilson, right, Rebecca? Yeah, so. losing Bowden will hurt them, but getting Wilson back as their quarterback will be good. Stoops is, you know, they they stuck with him when they didn't when some other schools might not have, and they're paying they're getting the benefits now. They've been to bowl games multiple times in a row in a ten win season a couple of years ago. Like they've they stuck with him, and he got it on the right track. It took them a couple of years, but you know he's got it going where they want it now, and they they become a pretty solid. You know, you can expect them in the top half of the East at least the last couple of years. Florida's ending to me. Uh, they had a weird offseason, you know, with people leaving and different random stuff going on. And then, um, but, you know, Trask is back. They got a bunch of talent on that team. Mullen is at least good for eight, nine wins every year, whether he's that next step or not. Who knows? Uh, I'd still have Georgia at the top, I'd have to say. That's going to be interesting. Uh, Missouri's got the new coach, so they'll be dealing. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I feel like. The SEC is in a better spot like, overall with teams. Yeah, I think Alabama's going to win the conference, but I could see 
somebody else beating them. Like I can see Florida, Georgia doing it because they're both talented enough. Who knows what Auburn and LSU? So I think there's like there are like a few teams that can win this conference. Anyways, David, uh, it's been fun. Uh, I'm glad you come on here to talk South Carolina. I'm having fun doing these every week, anyways, previewing these SEC teams. But uh, anyways, uh, uh, like I said, I appreciate you coming on the show just today. And uh, if the listeners want to follow you online, uh, where can they find you? I hope you doesn't pays off and we get a college football season. I'd love to. I'd love to watch it. Obviously, hopefully, see some progress from Carolina. Um, if any of the listeners like the mess that I spoke today, <laughs> it's uh, at DK3000SC on Twitter. And then, like uh, Philip said, I write for Last Word on College Football with him and a bunch of other great writers. So check us out. Um, thanks for having me. I, I enjoyed it, man. All right. All right. Thank you, David, once again. And I appreciate the time. And I look forward to talking to you again sometime down the road. Yes, sir. Have a good one. Go game.